welcome to the Ballistically Challenged podcast, where we will discuss rifles, optics, reloading, and just about everything to do with shooting sports. My name is Jake, and I will be your host for the next 35 to 45 minutes. Okay, so we are going to kick off the podcast, Season 1, Episode 1, Hype. With a series for beginner or novice shooters. We're going to cover things like, what rifle should I get? What caliber should I get? What scope should I buy? What kind of ammo should I shoot? Where do I get these things? These are all the most common things that you're going to see people asking either on Facebook or Instagram. Or just talking amongst your coworkers, friends, buddies, whoever you know whoever's in your circle that partakes in these activities. And part of the problem <clears throat> is that everybody seems to have their favorite brands or their magic formula, and everybody wants to convince you to buy what they have because it's the best. And this is why. If a guy has a... Tika TX3 rifle with an Argos Athlon first focal plane scope and he only shoots Hornady factory ammo most of those guys are going to try to convince you to buy the same setup they have because subconsciously they don't want to have foolishly spent their money people will aggressively defend the brand name thing that they bought because they don't want to look like a fool. It's basic psychology. Well, I ain't going to be none of that here. I'm going to stop. Well, I will start this podcast and I am just going to lay it out there. I like Savage Rifles. I like Cytron Glass. Huge fan of Hornady. Those are the brands that I like. Uh, I have a pair of Vortex binos, they're very nice, but although I a lot of the examples I'm going to use are going to have Savage or Cytron or this or that, it doesn't mean that those are the only good rifles out there. Every rifle manufacturer is going to have a budget line, they're going to have a, a mid-range, and then they're going to have their high-end stuff, and pretty much you're going to get what you pay for regardless of brand. Some brands may go through short periods of time where they're having an issue or the rifles aren't as good as they used to be. And then some manufacturers rise up from bad reputations. Savage chiefly among them. Savage has a, a dark spot in their history where their rifles were kind of junk. And then, uh, some business changes occurred and the quality control increased. And now, in my opinion, Savage Rifles are one of the best value on the market performance per dollar. And that's why I like Savage performance per dollar. That's not to say that you can't get good performance per dollar from a Remington or a Tika or a Howa, whichever rifle company out there that are putting effort into their stuff Chances are you can probably have a pretty good experience with just about any of them. 
because they're all going to require effort on your part no matter what. No gun shoots itself. No target is hit by itself. No animal is uh, killed by itself. That is just the way that it is. All of your equipment is going to require your effort beforehand to make it work. So, first things first. We need to establish our purpose. You need to ask yourself some questions. What does your rifle need to do? How far away does it need to do it? And the most important question of all, bar none, is what is my budget? Now, I'm not a uh, sponsored shooter. I don't make a living shooting far from it. If uh, my food on my table <laughs> depended on how well I shot, I'd be a much thinner man than I am now. But budget is incredibly important. You got some guys with sky's the limit budgets. You got some guys who are like me and have what I would call a mid-range budget. And then there are guys who either don't want to invest or can't invest a whole lot into their rig. And so of course they're going to be looking for budget options. There's a rig out there for everybody regardless of your price range. However, to maintain realistic expectations, that is going to be a predominant factor in the kind of rifle that you build or the components that you assemble based on rifle manufacturer, optic manufacturer, and whatever else you use, you're gonna you might need a bipod, you might need shooting bags, you might need a case to carry your thing. If you live in Calif in California, aka California like I do, you're gonna need locks, you're gonna need safe ways to transport your firearm, you're gonna need locked ammo cases. All these kinds of things are gonna play into your budget. Now I have definite opinions on how much of your budget you should spend in each area, but we'll get to that in this podcast. Um, so I'm going to not make any assumptions of how much you have to spend or want to spend on your rifle. Um, so firstly, my opinion is this. If you're going to buy a bolt-action rifle, specifically a bolt-action rifle, you don't skimp. I will skimp on a pistol. I will skimp on a shotgun. I will skimp on an AR. I will skimp on a 22. A bolt-action rifle for me is not a gun that you should skimp on. If you're being cheap, and be real, be honest with yourself, if you're being cheap, Go with something else. Get yourself a cheap AR and have a blast with it. Get a cheap 22. Have a blast with it. Or 17 HMR if you're being really cheap. It's a cheap gun to buy and rel well, relatively cheap to shoot. And it's a blast. If you're going to buy a bolt-action rifle, this is a serious... You have a serious purpose. Uh, and although bolt guns are super fun... 
I have, you know, just about one of at least every type of legal firearm that we can possess here in California. And I get more satisfaction out of a bolt-action rifle than probably any other firearm that I own or have shot. So, my opinion is you don't have to spend two, $3,000 on just the gun, less optic. Uh, you can spend between 700 and 1500 bucks and have a sweet, sweet rifle. You can get, I have a Savage 111 Long Range Hunter chambered in 300 Win Mag. And you can get them from Sportsman's Warehouse on sale just about six to nine months out of the year on sale for $7.99. And I can tell you, I have a 111 Long Range Hunter. Uh, my best friend, Buddy Trav, has a 111 and three or 111 long range hunter and 300 wind mag and although my rifle's brand new i may, maybe have like 15 rounds through it haven't even started load development for it uh, buddy trav's rifle we call it his right arm because that rifle is has just impressed the hell out of me um it is taken game at incredibly far distances it's not my story to tell, so I'm not going to tell you how far. Um, it has been incredibly accurate. Um, it is an incredibly awesome cartridge to work with, 300 Win Mag. Uh, maybe one of these days I'll have Buddy Trav on and he can detail out his load development on his hot rod load that he runs out of that hunting rifle. Um, it's, it's an $800 rifle, and I'd put that rifle up against any other hunting rifle out there it's just that good of a rifle um and it it did it didn't really break the bank now yes it is more expensive than say like a ruger american or the savage axis or the ruger or not ruger the remington 787 um i think some of them less expensive howas uh, you know, it is more expensive than a lot of those entry level rifles, but at 800 bucks, I mean, that's obtainable for just about anybody who's going to be serious about committing to putting together a rifle that is going to fit their needs. Um, and still is going to leave room for a decent optic. Optics will cover later. Conversely, you might get a Remington 700 Sendero or one of the Varmint variants of a Remington 700. Remington kind of went through one of those quality deficits in recent times. I say recent, probably five, six years ago to eight or nine years ago uh we're seeing some really crazy stuff coming from the remington factory like entire like curly cues of of unmachined metal in a chamber 
that uh, my friend had to dremel out. Like, goodness, that was insane. That's probably one of the most crazy things I've seen come from a factory rifle. But any one of them, the mid-range 700s or... A lot of people are shooting the, um, I never say this right, the Bergara, Bergara. So those are pretty nice rifles too. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So basically, you can spend between seven and eight hundred bucks, or excuse me, between seven and fifteen hundred bucks. That's what I'm considering a mid-tier rifle. Anything that's 700 or lower, I would consider entry-level, and anything that is 1500 or higher, I would consider a high-end rifle. Not high-end custom-built, but a high-end rifle. And that's just the way that I kind of, in my own mind, that's the way that I kind of divvy things up. Um, so now you have your kind of your three points of... Uh, or your three three tiers. I'm just going to say your three tiers of rifle. You have your entry level, you have your mid-level, and then you have your upper level or your high-end. Um, with entry-level guns, you're going to get entry-level features. You're probably not going to get any kind of bedding in your stock. Uh, aluminum bedding, glass bedding, anything like that. Anything that makes your, your action really rigid to your stock. Uh, stocks are probably not going to be free-floated, um, meaning the barrel does not touch the stock all the way out to the muzzle, uh, which, is which is an important accuracy enhancer um, when, you're sh when you're chasing accuracy. Um, you're probably not going to get any special trigger or a, even an adjustable trigger. Um, I know that on Savage Axis model rifles, they do have, um, a lot of them do have like an AccuTrigger setup where it's like the blade in the middle of the trigger. You depress the blade and then you pull the trigger. So that is a, a strong, uh, that's a strong entry level feature for Savage. Um, like I said, Savage fanboy, unapologetic, but a lot of guys are having uh, great success with the Ruger American rifles, especially I think the one that most people are buying is the Ruger American Predator because it has a little bit of a heavier barrel on it and lots of guys are, are shooting and doing really well with those rifles. Um, that's another one of those, if you heard the pilot episode, another one of those sub $500 thousand yard gun guys they're doing it with uh that rifle a lot of times they're doing it with that rifle sometimes they do it with savage but that's kind of the hip one that you hear about um you don't entry level remingtons really aren't in the limelight these days a lot of guys are running Hawas. Hawas is another affordable rifle. They do have, I think they're more expensive stuff, but they do make an entry level. I think it's uh, Hawa 1500. I should probably do more research before I record these, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, and then Tika. A lot of guys run Tika. 
And all these rifles are going to offer a, an, an experience equivalent to what you paid for them. Like I saw a picture the other day of a Savage rifle, a Savage Axis, and the stock cracked like in half right in front of the uh, trigger guard, which is weird. I've never seen any rifle from any manufacturer on a... Uh, on a synthetic stock crack in half like that. It was insane. I wonder, though, if the owner didn't do something to cause that. Because uh, I have a hard time believing that that would happen just from firing the rifle. But, hey, things do happen. It was on a cheaper Savage. It was on an Axis the combo gun, I think. I don't quite remember. But point is you're going to be more prone to having some sort of a failure or lack of features on an entry level rifle a mid and a mid-grade rifle such as the savage 111 long range hunter or another rifle that i have is a ruger precision rifle um it is well, you, it's in chambered in 6.5 Creedmoor. Right now, I think you're going to drop about anywhere between 850 and a 1000 for that rifle, I think, right now. Um, that rifle um, has lots of features on it. It's a, it's a, it's a factory chassis rifle. It's got an adjustable trigger. You can take AR style butt stocks. Um, it takes just Magpul P mags. Um, it's got all kinds of doodads and things that you can upgrade. Uh, but it comes stock with a lot of features, a lot of good. I got a, uh, a rail on it that's got M lock. It's got an M lock rail on it and places to mount all kinds of whatever you might want to mount on it has a nice muzzle brake on it uh it's not a super heavy rifle but it's it's got some weight to it and then with that muzzle brake on the end of it um i mean that thing's like shooting nothing it has hardly any recoil which is really great um the savage 111 long range hunter it has an aluminum bedded stock it has an adjustable trigger on it. It has uh, an adjustable comb, infinitely adjustable comb. Um, it has a radial port on off muzzle brake. Uh, word from the wise, if you have a radial port on off muzzle brake, leave it in the on position and never turn it off. Just leave it open constantly. You'll thank me later. Um, it's got a <clears throat> 26 inch barrel get a little extra velocity out of your uh, ammo which is great uh, it's a it's just a bare bones uh, do-it-all gun it doesn't look particularly pleasing I know like something like the Ruger American Hills Canyon rifle oh my god that rifle is so good looking it is a handsome rifle it's got the tan uh, Cerakote with the awesome camo stock and you're paying about $400 for how awesome it looks so if aesthetics is a thing for you 
Savage is probably not gonna be <laughs> probably not gonna be the brand for you because they look very they're very practical. They put almost no effort into aesthetics other than apart from the precision rifle that uh, or not the precision rifle the like uh, Savage Stealth um, chassis guns that they put out or chassis style guns they put out. Those are pretty snazzy looking, but. Uh, mid-range rifles you're going to get, you can start to expect some better features. Now, the high-end rifles, I mean, it's just what what is it that you want? You know, you can get the more expensive stocks. Like, it's like, okay, I'm buying a Remington rifle, but it's coming with an H&S Precision stock. Or I'm buying this... Savage rifle and it's coming with a. It also comes with an H and S precision shot. Precision, I said that correctly. Precision stock, but it has a twenty moa rail and it's got a muzzle brake and it's magazine fed and it's got a, a factory glass bedded stock or whatever features you're looking for. Maybe it's carbon fiber. I know Christensen makes really awesome stuff. Very expensive. <laughs> But they have like um, really, really pretty stainless actions with like spiral fluted bolt, um, fluted uh, stainless barrels, and a carbon fiber stock. It's like be a shame to put that thing in a uh, gun safe because you just want to mount on your wall because how attractive and how handsome the rifle is. So those are the kinds of things that you can kind of expect with the tier of rifle that you're purchasing. You're not only purchasing some things like aesthetics or more premium materials or coatings is another big one, but you're also purchasing that level of features. So that's important to remember when you are looking for a rifle or those features. Now, another controversial thing we're going to talk about, optics. This is one of those things where everybody's an expert. It's just like diet and exercise and how to raise children. Everybody is an expert. Everybody has an opinion about optics. And everybody thinks that their opinion is correct. I tell you, I have been in more Facebook discussions about optics than any other topic that I've ever spoken to about with the firearms community is optics. Okay, so now that the heartburn is cleared, let's dig into practical reality about optics. Um, My opinion on... The quality of optic that you put on your rifle should meet or exceed the tier range of rifle that you purchased. You should never spend more money on your rifle than your optic. My opinion, it's an unpopular one. I can tell you that right now because there's a whole host of people a plethora of people right now online that would be willing to just dog shit me into oblivion about how i have this 
scope and I'm shooting a thousand, I'm shooting a sub MOA group at a thousand yards with it. You don't need a expensive optic to shoot well. Well, you know what? It's, it's, it's the old, how much do you want to deal with argument? Do you want to deal with a, a $150 sight mark? and try to shoot a thousand yards is it doable yeah but you know what else is doable i could probably rig up a catapult or a trebuchet and get that thing to huck something a thousand yards and if i send enough rocks down there i could probably hit a moa target too it's everybody has their own opinion their own take there's a a large community of people who are very outspoken about how they can do awesome things with their cheap shit rifle and their cheap shit scope. On this podcast, I'm never going to recommend a cheap shit scope. If all you can afford is some cheap shit, then that's what you got to work with. And it's not because you're choosing to be a douchebag about it, it's because it's what you got. And I'm not going to dog on a guy who doesn't have a lot of money, who can't put money into his setup, if that's all he can afford. I would encourage that guy, but hey, look, you know what? You're not working with the best equipment. Supplement that with ability and knowledge. Learn everything you can about your equipment. Learn its restrictions and limitations and maximize what you got. Maximize what you have. That being said, if just using our tiers of rifles of reference, we have entry level, we have mid-tier, and then we have high-end. The values change a little bit with optics. I would say anything $500 or less is entry level. I would say anything from $500 to about $1,100-ish is mid-grade. Anything $1,100 or more is going to be high-end. So, let's just start at the, at the... And I do feel you should match your tier of optic or exceed the tier of your rifle. So, if you have an entry-level rifle, you should ha- at least have, it, obviously, an entry-level scope or better. Because there's never going to be a reason why you couldn't put a mid-tier optic on an entry-level rifle because all it's going to do is enhance your ability to be more consistent and accurate with the less expensive rifle that you have. If you go out there and you buy, you know, you drop dough on a nice Christensen rifle and you, you paid... Like hey, eighteen hundred bucks for the all stainless and fiberglass one, and then you throw a two three hundred dollar Athlon on it. You've got more capability within the rifle than you do the optic, because you have this super nice platform, and then you you hamstring yourself with this subpar optic. 
by comparison to the rifle that you have. You'd have been far better off buying a $500 rifle and spending the rest of that money on an optic than you would the other way around. So I am of the camp that you buy the make sure you budget enough money for your optic to match the rifle that you bought most times the optic that i'm running cost as much or a little bit more than the rifle that is my opinion and i'm sticking to it because in my experience i've shot through some really crappy scopes and I've had some really crappy scopes on a, a decent rifle. And then that same rifle, come back and shoot it once, say a friend or relative saved up enough money to put a decent optic on it. And it was like almost shooting a brand new rifle. So the official ballistically challenged opinion is meet or exceed the quality of optic to your rifle unapologetic there it is for you let's talk about additional equipment okay so you got a rifle you got an optic maybe you bought some ammo we'll talk about ammo in a bit well now what okay we well, are gonna need a bipod for it bipods are one of those things that you can skimp on <laughs> i i've shot i shot 1,400 yards with my 6.5 Creedmoor on a budget bipod. I don't think I even have 40 bucks into my bipod. All the time and money and all the things that I purchased for reloading and the rifle and the optic and all the time spent, I got like a $40 bipod. High-end bipods are awesome. If you can afford one, buy it because a quality bipod does make your life better but it is an area in which you can skimp totally 100% I skimp on mine because I'm a cheap ass and I put my money elsewhere you might need a shooting mat if you don't have a bench or if you want to get into F class or if you just prefer to shoot from the prone position which is not a bad position to shoot from uh, you might need a shooting mat you're probably going to need a case for it. Uh, you're probably going to need the tools to mount your scope or your optic. Or you're the say you're running a one-piece base with uh, separate rings. Or say you're running a all-in-one uh, base and ring combo type setup. Um, you know... You're going to need some tools. You're going to need cleaning stuff. Uh, I have a kind of a, a, another unpopular opinion on cleaning, but we'll touch on that in another episode. You're going to need some, uh, some additional stuff. So those are the things that you're going to have to factor into your budget, things that you're not going to think about. Um those are things to take in consideration too. That that list is a mile long of accessories, of things that you think you might need. I'm not going to go over that list other than the things that I already covered because that is a personal endeavor. It's just important to mention 
that factor those things into your budget when you're thinking about, okay, I'm going to buy a rifle, I'm going to buy an optic, I'm going to sling, I'm going to get a case, I'm going to get a bunch of stickers, I'm going to, you know, whatever it is that you're going to get, factor that stuff in. A Another huge consideration, almost as, port, as important as selecting which rifle and optic you're going to use, is figuring out what route am I going to go with ammunition. Are you going to be a factory-loaded ammo guy? Are you going to dive into reloading? Which direction are you going to go? Because I'm here to tell you, you can have success going both ways. Um, I've had great success with Hornady Match Grade Ammo. Hornady Match Grade Ammo is awesome. It shoots really well in the rifles that I have. And I don't know if I've ever seen it shoot bad out of anybody's rifle. There's lots of other brands out there that shoots great as well. You know... If you go the factory ammo route, you're going to get your rifle, your optic, your bipod, everything that you need. Then you're going to go and you're going to have some idea of what you're... Well, okay, so we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Based on the purpose in which you procured this rifle, built this rifle, however you want to say it, you're going to have some idea or you might not there's different types of ammo loaded for different situations uh there's always going to be at least three kind of categories there's going to be light for caliber which basically means the bullet weight in grains is going to be loaded or it's going to be a lighter weight bullet and its characteristics are typically going to be that it's super fast out of that caliber rifle you're gonna have your kind of standard weight for caliber rounds which are gonna be like for a 30 out six you have uh, 165 grain 100, 100 165 grain is probably your like average out six load some people run 150 grain which picks up some speed I used to run 180 grain, which sacrificed speed for a little knockdown power, but it was a hunting rifle. And I live in California, and distances uh, don't get that far out here because of our our hunting climate. It's pretty close quarters, so I want the knockdown power. Then there's going to be heavy for caliber. So like right now... Um, something that is very popular is heavy for caliber bullets for just about everything because long range precision shooting is super popular. So you might have 300 Win Mag whose standard kind of standardish weight for the 300 Win Mag is about 180 grains. Um, 180 grain. 308 caliber round out of a 300 mag is about standard. I mean, you could argue with me, but you really can't because it's a podcast. I'm the only one talking. So it's about 180 grains is typically what you'll see out of a, a 
300 Win Mag. Well, now there's some heavy for caliber bullets coming out from people like Berger who are putting out, uh, they have a right now a, two, a 208 grain 30 cal uh, round that's um, loaded in some 300 Win Mag ammo. And the purpose for heavy for caliber type uh, rounds more for reloaders than uh, factory loaded stuff you can play with your load and you can get a better performing at distance round than say what the standard for caliber weight is so having that in mind um, are you going to a run factory ammo and if so you can run light standard or heavy for caliber rounds are you going to reload in which that same line of logic applies am i not going to run light standard or heavy for caliber loads and reload for it so those those that question of which category of ammo am i going to run is going to be answered by the purpose of your rifle which brings me to the culmination of this whole podcast is going to settle down into what is the purpose for my bolt action rifle is it hunting is it target shooting is it a defensive or offensive rifle is it a long range rifle those que- that question those four possible i mean there's a million possibilities why you might want a rifle or what you're going to use it for uh those are kind of four like main categories that someone might have in mind when purchasing a bolt gun. Now, there's some guns that are going to be do-it-all guns. Uh, 300 Win Mag. I talk about that a lot because I love 300 Win Mag. It is a fantastic caliber, and it's excellent at just about everything that it does. Another absolutely fantastic round is a uh, 270. You'll be surprised at the performance that you can squeeze out of a 270, especially with uh, reloading for it. 270 isn't necessarily what you think of when you hear like a long range caliber. Uh, I know a guy that um, has a consistent 900 yard load out of his 270, and he also hunts with it. It's in his grandpa's old uh, Remington 700. It's a fantastic rifle. Um, it is good for target shooting. It's also good for hunting. 270 is one of the, like, in my mind, when you're, you, you move out of the 30 caliber land, it's like, okay, what's a good hunting cartridge? It's not a 30 cal, uh, or not a Magnum 270 all the way. It's, still long action so i'm not i'm not taking good short action hunting calibers into consideration so it's a long action caliber still but it's a badass round uh it does some really awesome stuff and then you step down into short action you know there's some them good hunting rounds Uh, i'm not a fan of 308 that's not to say that 308 is not good 
That is not to say that 308 is uh, or can't be anything that you want it to be. Um, I think that 6.5 Creedmoor is pretty much superior in every way. Um, and maybe I'll make a 6.5 versus 308 episode sometime in the future. I don't foresee myself doing that, but, you know, that's what the people want. Um, 243 is another great one. There's a lot of great cartridges out there that are great at one thing. Some calibers and some cartridges are great at many things. Um, so if you're thinking, of, let's just, okay, so let's just kind of go down the list of these four things then. Hunting rifle. What are some questions you need to ask yourself? Where will you be hunting? Are you going to hunt your local hunting grounds? Are you going to take that same gun out of state where distances might get longer or shorter? Are you going to take it, uh, are you going to hunt a small baby deer like we have in California and then go try to shoot a mule deer uh, or big old muley? Or are you going to try to go to Colorado and hunt elk with it? Uh, where are you going to be hunting? And it's okay to kind of fantasize like, oh man, you know, I always, you know, I live in California and our deer out here are, you know, not as large as some of the other places that I want to hunt. Really want to go to um, somewhere and get a big old blacktail or I want to get a big old muley or... You know, I'd really like to go to Colorado at least once and get me an elk. Take that into consideration. Because if you put it out there and you really work towards it, eventually that dream hunt that you're thinking about is like, oh, yes, I'm going to go to Alaska and a moose. If you work towards it, you're going to get it. And how upset would you be if you if you settled on a caliber that was less than what you intended to hunt. So now all of a sudden you got this, you build a super sweet 6.5 Creedmoor, then now you're going to Alaska to hunt a moose. Can you kill a moose with a 6.5 Creedmoor? Probably. Would you rather have a 300 Win Mag? I would. Or 7, seven um, millimeter Magnum, or a 300 Rum, or insert larger cal 30 caliber 7 millimeter caliber magnum cartridge here and i'd probably rather have that for a moose it's a big animal so with it within reason the things that you intend to hunt take that into consideration when you're choosing a caliber also an unpopular opinion that i have is that there is no such thing as overkill yes i will shoot a little california deer at 100 yards with my 300 wind mag Will I lose a little bit of usable meat? Yes, I will. I absolutely will. Will that thing super duper be dead? Yes, it also will. So I don't really believe in overkill in that sense. I'm never going to tell someone, man, your, your rifle's overkill for what you're trying to do. I mean, if you got a 50 BMG and you're shooting at 100 yards, well, hey, you know what? The back half of the deer's still good, I guess. You know, it died. And that's the most important thing with hunting is ethical kills. That's a whole different podcast. So 
We're not going to approach that. We're also going to use that as a segue into target shooting. There is a lot of really fun and exciting calibers out there for target shooting. A lot of guys are running um, six millimeter bullets and doing some crazy stuff with them. Uh, a lot. Some guys are running six point five by forty seven. Uh, that's a really cool caliber. Six point five Creedmoor is even a great target caliber. Uh, there's lots of really great cartridges out there that are designed specifically for target shooting, specifically for Nat's ass accuracy, and they don't really care about um, terminal ballistics from a tissue disruption standpoint. Uh, a lot of most actually target rounds will be very poor hunting rounds. There's very few bullets that are manufactured that can cross over. There's highly accurate hunting rounds and then there's hunting rounds and then there's highly accurate target rounds and then there's target rounds that could probably be used for hunting. There's this like gray area in between. Um, but when you have a purpose established for your rifle, it makes it a lot easier to choose a uh, specific round. So for like my target rifle, I don't care what its expansion is. I don't care uh, how deep it can penetrate through um, fluid-filled tissue. I don't care about any of that because I'm punching paper or I'm trying to make a, a metal target ding. Um, but if you're hunting, you absolutely care about those kinds of things. Uh, if you're using, okay, so this is kind of a very specific use case here, uh, a defensive or offensive bolt gun. Um, I can't really think of a situation in which a bolt action rifle would be a smart decision as a home defense gun, unless it was your only gun. If the only gun you own is a bolt-action rifle, then that is now your home defense gun. And it comes with a whole host of issues that you need to figure out, like uh, over-penetration through walls, what's outside your house, your neighbors, um, how are you going to acquire a... Um, how are you going to acquire a sight picture inside your house probably with no lights on if you have only have a bolt gun it is your home defense gun if you only have a bolt gun you need to also get a home defense gun quickly because if you plan on defending your home a bolt gun is not the best option like i said we're opening lots of avenues for other episodes here that home defense is not this episode because that could be an entire just it is entire youtube channels and entire podcasts are completely consumed around this home defense thing we'll touch on it probably in the future not the focus here offensive um a lot of law enforcement um might have use for that obviously the military would have use for it uh border patrol stuff like that if you have a lot of land and you would like to have a bolt gun um, 
case you see someone driving down the driveway, you shoot a radiator out or tire out. I don't know. Don't do anything that's not legal in your state. But there are uses for uh, combat or a combat style bolt gun. It's not really the focus of this podcast because uh, I'm not law enforcement nor military. Um, so, but just because I'm not doesn't mean that you're not. So you can still apply all these same uh, ideas to your military or your law enforcement rifle if you were allowed to build your own. Uh, Last one, long range. Uh, Lots of things to consider with long range. Long range is probably, well, I don't want to say the hardest discipline. Um, I think the guys on the Precision Rifle Series, uh, I think that that's a difficult discipline because you're running around, you're shooting on on uneven so you're on you're on top of a van or you're on top of a roof or you shoot their tank trap you're running around you're muffing you're you're huffing you're puffing it doesn't seem easy at all there's a lot of things that's going to those guys on who are competing in prs um so but i would say that long range if it's not the most difficult it's up there amongst the most difficult disciplines because so many things come into play so many things and you start getting down into the minutia and trying to become as a to become as consistent as you are possible there's a with long range there's the the uh, the trinity i call it well can't really know if i can call it that but i think of it as like a triangle or a three-legged bar stool it's are you a solid shooter do you have a solid rifle do you have a solid load because those three things are all codependent upon one another but they are each individual disciplines uh Probably the easiest of those three to get right is your rifle, believe it or not. Uh, we have we are fortunate to live in a time where we have really, really great equipment available to us for relatively inexpensive, and there's a vast amount of knowledge. There's Well, <laughs> some might argue too much, but there's so much information available on the internet, such as podcasts like these, that can help you set up your rifle. So your rifle, minus the ammunition component, I think is the easiest to get right. Uh, next being you as a shooter, you as a marksman. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. The fundamentals of marksmanship. All of the things that you do with your rifle and your load that marries the two you're the human element you are the element that introduces error into the system because a rifle's not going to put itself together and a load's not going to develop itself or load itself it has to be put together by you in one way or another now the the trickiest part i think 
is load development. Um, I think that it is, it kind of has a mysticism about it. Like when people talk about reloading, a lot of times it can be intimidating. And I'll tell you what, there was a time where I was incredibly intimidated by reloading and thought that I would never do it. I mean, that's not what I told my friends. But I, th- I le- there was a time, legitimately, when I thought that ah, I'll never reload. You know, that's, that's too much. You know, I can't do that. And here we are. It's not as mystical as you think, but you do have to know what you're doing and to pay attention. So reloading is definitely a topic that we are going to cover in its own episode, the whole entire episode by itself, or maybe actually a series of episodes, is going to cover reloading. There's going to be reloading in general, good enough reloading, and then there's going to be precision reloading. And what are the pros and cons for reloading versus shooting factory ammo? So those are going to be the things that you need to consider. So just kind of to wrap this whole thing up, what rifle should I get? What caliber should I get? What scope should I get? Is all going to be dependent on what is the purpose of my rifle. Um, And it's okay to pick more than one job for a rifle. Uh, Some people may need one rifle that can do everything. And some people may have one rifle per purpose or per intended use. Both are fine. Both are totally okay. Um, Like I said, some guys got a lot of money to dump into this and some guys don't. Or some guys want to spend a lot of money on it but can't. And some guys have a lot of money but don't. So there's all kinds of shooters and all kinds of situations out there. And the the basic takeaway here is it doesn't matter how expensive your setup is. It matters what you can do with it. Master your own equipment. If it's if you got a, a five thousand dollar rifle, well you better squeeze every ounce of potential out of that $5,000 rifle. If you got a $500 rifle, well, you better squeeze every ounce of potential out of that $500 rifle. It's about maximizing the equipment and the ability that you have. It's not about how much money you spent on your shit. It's really not. So with that, we are going to wrap up Episode 1 of Season 1 of Ballistically Challenged. We're going to go more in-depth into some of these questions. Uh, Definitely stay tuned for the um, reloading episode. And I will be here in the next couple of weeks. I am actually doing my own load development. I'm starting from scratch on the... Ruger Precision Rifle in 6.5. I'm starting from square one. Uh, And I will go through my thought process 
the the research part, the component acquisition part, the component selection uh, part, the process in which I'm going to uh, develop the load, the tools that I'm going to use, the methods I'm going to use, and then the results. And that will all be uh, chronicled here in the podcast. And that's definitely something that you can look forward to. I appreciate you guys hanging out. If you made it all the way to the end of the podcast here, I sincerely thank y'all. And that's all we got for this week or this time or this episode. We will find out how often I'm going to upload these here in the, the next, I don't know, week or two. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. And shoot straight and shoot long. That was really stupid, but I'm not going to cut it out. See you later, y'all.